Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This is the second installment in our month-long Halloween series called Monsters on the Air, and the monster I've chosen to represent is a creature known as a revenant. An undead monstrosity bent on revenge, or sometimes it's Leonardo DiCaprio being mauled by a bear. I will defend this decision after we hear this story. No grave can hold me from Mysterious Traveler. The Mysterious Traveler ran for nine years on the Mutual Broadcasting Network from December 1943 to September 1952. The show was created, written, and directed by Robert Arthur and David Kogan. The duo utilized a variety of genres from episode to episode, including horror, crime, and science fiction. Listeners tuned in each week, never sure what kind of story The Mysterious Traveler would tell. The program opened with the mournful wail of a distant train whistle followed by the sardonic voice of the mysterious traveler, who narrated each story as if he were speaking to a fellow passenger on the train. The mysterious traveler was played by radio veteran Maurice Tarplin, who also played Winston Churchill on The March of Time, Hercule Poirot on Murder Clinic, Inspector Faraday on Boston Blackie, and the titular host on Arthur and Cogan's other anthology series, The Strange Dr. Weird. And now let's listen to No Grave Can Hold Me for the Mysterious Traveler first broadcast January 12th, 1947. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen to the voices. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Mysterious Traveler. Written, produced, and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Coker. And featuring tonight two of radio's most distinguished personalities, Santos Ortega and Richard Cooker, in No Grave Can Hold Me. This is The Mysterious Traveler, inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, and it will thrill you a little and chill you a little as we travel tonight into the world of shadows from which no man may return. And we learn the story of one who does return. It's a story I call, No Grave Can Hold Me. My story starts in a court of law where a man is on trial for his life. The courtroom is tense, for the jury is out deciding the prisoner's fate. But the prisoner himself, a tall man with glossy black hair and piercing eyes, sits calmly with his lawyer, his daughter Nora, and his son in law, Harry Wilson, waiting for the fateful verdict. Oh, dear, I wish Father, I think the jury is coming in now. They say it's a bad sign when the jury is out for such a short while. You need not worry, either of you. I shall be free. I certainly hope so, Randolph, but... Well, you know, you did admit you killed Clemens. Because he insulted me. He called me a mountebank, a charlatan, a trickster. He called the great Randolph a faker. So he died. There they come. Oh, Father, I'm frightened. They're taking new places in the jury box now. You look awfully grim. I repeat, have no fear for me. Foreman of the jury, has the jury reached a verdict? It has, Your Honor. What is the verdict? 
We find the defendant guilty as charged of murder in the first degree. Oh, no, no. What? find you guilty? The fools. They, too, think that I'm an imposter, a trickster. They shall learn different. If I die, so shall they. The prisoner will rise. Father, you to stand up. The prisoner will rise. Very well. I'll stand up so that they will recognize my face again when they see it suddenly in the night and know that death has come to claim them. Maximilian Randolph, you have been found guilty of the crime of murder in the first degree. It is the sentence of this court that you shall suffer the punishment of death on the night of June 6th at midnight. And may God have mercy on your soul. Visitor for you, Mr. Randolph. Thank you, Guard Miller. You can see him for only five minutes, Mr. Wilson. Yes, all right, Guard. Hello, Randolph. Good evening, Harry. I see that my guard, Miller, managed to get you in to see me. Yes, he did. Time is so short that... Well, I know. It is almost midnight. And at midnight, I die. But guard Miller has become a good friend. I knew he'd arrange it. Nora and I saw the governor this afternoon. He, he refused to do a thing. It does not matter. What is death but a new garment for the soul to wear? Nora's waiting outside. You said you didn't want to see her tonight. That is as I wished. You were my assistant. We were very close, you and I. And now there is a last promise you must make to me. Anything, Randolph. When you receive my body, the empty husk of the great Randolph... Bury it in a vault with a bronze door which faces east. A vault facing east? Yes, of course. The door must be locked with a padlock of bronze. But it must be possible to open it from the inside. But... Without Randolph. using a key. Randolph, you... The coffin must be locked shut as well. But I must be able to open it from the inside. Randolph, sure you're not serious. I never joke. All this and one thing more. Promise. All right, I... I promise. When I am buried, beneath my head must rest a notebook bearing the names and addresses of the twelve jurymen who found me guilty, of the prosecuting attorney, and of the judge. But, but why, Randolph? So that I may know where to seek my vengeance upon them. The vengeance I have sworn, which must be executed before my soul can sleep. Oh, Randolph, that's madness. You disbelieve. So do they. But in my studies, I have learned many things. And one of them is how to reach back from behind the dark curtain of death. All right, time is up, sir. Thank you, Miller. Goodbye, Harry. Just tell me one more thing. Is the full moon shining tonight? Yes. It's a full moon tonight. Good. And each time hereafter that it shines, one of my enemies will join me in death. And so the great Randolph went to his execution and was buried according to his instructions. After a few days, his case was forgotten. Uh, forgotten by all but Harry Wilson, his son-in-law. Well, as the first month passed and the full moon again shone in the windows of his apartment, 
A strange restlessness possessed Harry. Harry, what's wrong with you? No, I, I'm sorry, Nora, but tonight, the night of the full moon, I'm, I'm nervous. I, I can't help it. Oh, darling, you're not worrying about father, are you? About his threat? Yes, I am. Oh, but that's absurd. Poor father. Toward the end, I'm afraid he was suffering from delusions and he was more than just an ordinary man. He wasn't entirely sane. No, maybe not, but he was so sure of himself, so certain. And those instructions for the way he was to be buried. Oh, of course, I, I'm just being foolish. Why don't you go out and walk for a while, Harry? It'll help calm you. All right, all right, I will. You want to come along? It's a nice night. No, I think I'll stay here and read. All right, I'll be back in an hour or so, dear. And if nothing happens tonight, I'll... I'll know that Randolph is just putting on an act. A little later, another man was also walking in the moonlight of a beautiful July evening. This one was short and stout. He was strolling homeward from a small poker party with his friends, when in the dark shadows cast by the trees along the edge of the park, a tall figure stepped directly into his path. Just a moment, Adam. Uh, who are you? What do you want? Just to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. Get out of my Not way. so fast, my friend. Look. A gun. Say, what is this, a hold-up? No, Adams. It is not a hold-up. Then why are you threatening me with that gun? Why have you got that scarf covering your face? Because my face has changed in the months since I was executed and buried. It's rather frightening now. What are you saying? Who are you, anyway? You're beginning to recognize my voice, aren't you? You know who I am. You just don't want to admit it to yourself. But great Randolph. Whom you, as foreman of the jury, caused to be executed. Oh, no, no, it's not possible. No one could come back from the dead. No ordinary man. But the great Randolph has no, come back. No, I don't believe it. There's a trick of some kind. And is this a trick, Adam? Is it? Is it? Uh, but... Hello. Hello, Nora. Is Harry there? No, he's out for a walk. Who is this? Don't you recognize my voice, Nora? Surely you heard it often enough. Father. Oh, no, it can't be. Strange how skeptical everyone is of me. Even my own daughter. Father, it is you. What do you want? I just want to tell Harry that I have claimed the first victim of my vengeance. Exactly on the stroke of midnight. The same minute when I died. Oh, no, no. And I wanted to warn him. That he must do nothing to interfere with my plans. Or if he does, I shall have to add him to my list of victims. No, Nora, you... He telephoned here? You want to speak to me? Yes, Harry, just a little after twelve. He said that he... Yes, I know. I heard the news. I was in a restaurant having coffee and he came over the radio. Adams, the foreman of the jury, was found strangled in front of his home. Oh, but it's impossible. And yet it was his voice, Harry. Father's voice. Oh, we've got to do something. Nora, I've got to warn the others on that list. The other jurors, Baldwin, the district attorney, and Judge Dexter. Yes, but he said if you tried to interfere... I know, but that doesn't matter. In the morning, I'm going to district attorney Baldwin. He'll believe me. He'll have to. <laughs> Mr. Bullen, you've got to listen to me. You've got to warn the others. You've got to give them protection. Or they'll die, just as Adams did. Winston, I'm a busy man. I have enough on my mind without having to listen to wild-eyed stories like the one you just told oh, me. But, but it's true. Randolph's instructions about the way he wanted to be buried, the notebook that I put in the coffin with him. Mere theatrical mummery. Adams was the victim of an ordinary street mugging. That's all there is to it. I have to ask you to leave. I have more important things to tend to. Mr. Lord, you're a sensible man. You edit the biggest newspaper in this city. 
If you'll only print what I've told you, the authorities will have to take some action. Wilson, my job is to print news for our readers, not ghost stories. If I ran your story, I'd be fired tomorrow. Then you don't believe me. I... Tell you what I will do. I'll make a story for the Sunday supplement out. Oh, that won't do any good. If it's in a Sunday supplement, people will just smile at it. When they see it, they'll know it's just a story. And I'm afraid there's no use in talking any further, Wilson. All right, I'll go to other papers. One of them will have to believe me. I don't advise it. You run a shop, don't you, selling tricks and magic apparatus? Yes, yes, that's right. Why? Just this. Newspapers don't believe in giving free publicity, and that's obviously what you're after. Goodbye, Mr. Wilson. I'm very sorry, Mr. Wilson, but Judge Dexter is unable to see you. Oh, but, Mr. you explain to him what it's about, how important it is. The judge said if you cared to write him a letter, he'd give the matter his consideration. Oh, that's no good. I've got to talk to him. I'm sorry. He's leaving today for his vacation, and he won't be back for a month. Perhaps he'll be able to see you then, but he simply can't see you now. None of them would listen to me, Nora. They either thought I was crazy or... But I wanted publicity. They all told me to forget it. They're right, Harry. That's the only thing to do to forget it. But, Nora... Maybe we're wrong. Maybe Adam's death last night was just a coincidence. I'm sure Father had nothing to do with it. Oh, no, no, no. He telephoned you. You heard his voice? Well, I'm not sure now that I did. Maybe it was a dream, Harry. Maybe I just imagined it. So forget the whole thing. Please, Harry, for my sake, forget it. Harry, darling, it's no good just pacing up and down. Please sit down and try to relax. I can't, Nora, I can't. Tonight, the second full moon since Randolph was executed. He'll be leaving his grave tonight and someone else will die. But Harry, the... There ought to be a guard over the vault he's buried in. Oh, no, that wouldn't do any good if he came back to him. That dead, he wouldn't be bothered by a guard. Please, Harry, you've done the best you can. And if it is true, and you go on like this, will you be in danger, too? I don't care. That list, Nora, the names on it were alphabetical. And Adams, the foreman, was the first to die. What are you driving? The second name on the list is Baldwin, the district attorney. Baldwin. Wouldn't listen to me last time, but tonight he's got to. I'm going to his home now while it's still time. <laughs> Mr. Baldwin, you are in danger tonight. I'm sure of it. Deadly danger. No, you you mean it, I'm sure, Wills. Yes. I, I thought it was some kind of a gag before. Now I can see you fully believe everything you've said. Oh, then you, you will take precautions. At least for tonight. I've been an officer of the law for 30 years. I've been threatened by a lot of convicted murderers. But not one of them has come back to get me yet. But you don't understand. The great Randolph is different. He had powers that, that we know nothing about. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, but I doubt it. Now, Wilson, I appreciate your warning, but I can't take it seriously. Oh, really? Then you, you won't guard yourself? No more than usual. I'll lock the door presently. I'm sure that'll keep out any ghosts who may come this way. Mr. Baldwin, please, it's almost midnight. At least let me stay with you for another hour. I'm sorry, but I'm about ready to turn in. I expect to sleep well, too. Now, you go on home, do the same. Because nobody's going to be harmed tonight by the great Randolph spook. I guarantee it. Oh, no. I, I Please, I wish you'd let I me I couldn't stay. think of it. Now, you can find your way out yourself, can't you? I'm sure. Yes, of course. All right, Mr. Baldwin, I won't bother you any longer. Good night. Good night, Wilson. Well, he's gone. I'm afraid the poor fellow needs to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> Randolph's ghost. I only hope I never have anything worse to be afraid of than I... Who's there? Who came in just now? Wilson, is that you again? No, my friend. It is not Wilson. Who are you? What the devil's the meaning of this? You don't recognize me, then? How can I? That cloak with the collar pulled up over your face. That is to spare the world a sight that should remain forever hidden within the darkness of a coffin. But my voice... Surely you recognize that. What are you talking about? Now, get out at once or I'll call for the police. It would tax their powers to arrest me. They have no authority in the world to which I belong. No. 
No, it can't be. I see you have recognized me. You should have taken Wilson's warning, Baldwin. Because I'm here. The great Randout. At your service. Oh, it's impossible. That's been said of so many things, hasn't it? But I think I can convince you. No. no stay away. Help! That won't do you any good. By the time anyone comes who will have joined me in the world of death. Nora. Nora. Where are you? Nora! Harry, I could hear you calling all the way down the hall. Nora, where have you been? I just went out to get the morning papers. Why? Why? It happened again. District Attorney Baldwin has been killed. But how? Exactly the same way Mr. Adams was killed, strangled, just at midnight. Oh, no. And Nora, I think I know the truth now. What do you mean? I don't believe it was your father at all. I think it was I that killed him. I killed them both. No, you've got to do it. There's a full moon tonight. You've got to lock me in this apartment. Oh, but Harry, you couldn't possibly have killed those two men. I could. I was near the scene at both times, and my my mind, it wasn't clear. I don't remember doing it, but don't you see? If, if I'd been hypnotized, I wouldn't remember. But, darling, Father couldn't have hypnotized you into committing murder. It's a law of hypnosis. The, the subject won't do anything he knows is wrong. I know, I know that, but I can't be sure. I believe that in those few minutes I was with him, somehow Randolph impressed on my mind orders to carry out his vengeance for him. Oh, darling, I'm sure he didn't. But if you insist, I'll lock you in. All right. Well, I want you to go now. might not be safe for you to stay with me. All right, Harry. I'll go to a movie. Got to stay locked in until after midnight. Then even if I am hypnotized, I won't be able to do any harm. You do understand, Nora, don't you? Oh, of course, darling. I'm sure you're wrong, but I'll do anything you say. All right, now. Lock me in. And don't you come back until after midnight. Seven. Eight. Nine. Ten. Eleven. Another hour and then I'll know. Or will I? Maybe I'll try to get out and I won't remember it. Or... Telephone. Yes. Hello. Hello, Harry. Randolph. Yes, my boy. I'm glad at least you don't say... No, it's impossible. No. Where are you, Randolph? That doesn't matter. I just wanted to warn you. And don't try to interfere with my plans. But, Randolph, I thought... Hello? Hello? He hung up. That proves that I'm not the one. Then in that case... Yes. That's the only possible answer. I know now what the truth is. I've got to get out of here. Door. I couldn't break it down with an axe. There's no fire escape, and it's eight floors down to the street. They have it, the superintendent. I can telephone the superintendent, tell him I locked in, and then you'll come and let me out. Judge Dexter. First, Adams died. Then Baldwin. Their names were the first two on the great Adam uh, Randolph's list. Your name is third. And so you think that tonight I'm scheduled to die, huh? Yes, yes, I'm sure of it. And you say you warned Baldwin last month just before he was murdered? I did. And he laughed at me. But he died just the same. And you're seriously asking me to believe that a dead man, legally executed by the state, is walking the streets tonight seeking my life? I tell you, he telephoned me only half an hour ago. I recognized his voice. <laughs> You know, of course, that your story sounds like the ravings of an insane mind. I know it. That's why I've kept quiet this last month. I did try to convince the police, the district attorney, and all I got was laughed at. 
And then... Yes. And yet, obviously, you're you're in earnest. I, I don't think you're crazy. I'm not. For a little while, I thought that I was the killer. You? How? I thought I was under post-hypnotic control. That Randolph had planted in my mind the impulse to kill his enemies. But that phone call proved that I was wrong. And what do you propose that we do? If we went to his tomb, perhaps then we'd learn the truth. Well, Wilson, what do you want to open Randolph's tomb for? Don't you see? If we go there and we find Randolph is still in his coffin, then I'll know that the real murderer is my wife, Nora. I, I have the key right here. I'll have the padlock off in a minute. Well, then hurry. The moon is bright. I'd hate to have anyone see us. Yes, sir. A very strange story. A man in my position prowling around the cemetery at midnight. Oh, but we had to come, Judge. We had to make sure. Well. Yeah. Unlocked it. We can open the vault door now. I'm rather sorry I paid any attention to you, Wilson. But we're here now, so let's get this thing over with. Now, I'm going in first. But don't forget, I'm armed. Oh, don't worry about me. There, I've shut the door. Be safe to turn on the flashlight now. There. See? There's the coffin. That's odd. Huh? What is it, Judge? The air in here is fresh. This vault has been opened and very recently. Then it must have been opened by Randolph. Oh, nonsense. Open this coffin and I'll prove it here. How does it work? This catch on the side. Can be operated either from the inside or out. There we are. It's unlocked. Well, then lift the lid, man. Lift it. What? All right, I'll do it. No. There. There you are. Now, see? There's your precious Randolph, safe and sound, just as I expected. Quite dead. As he's supposed to be. He's still in his coffin. Yes, and that proves that he... Wilson. Shine your flashlight down on the floor. I, I just touched a body. Lying here near the wall. Body? Oh, it's her. She's dead. I don't think so. Here, give me that light. What happened? Why did you turn out the flashlight? Something knocked it out of my hands. I, I can't find it. Because I have it, Harry. That's why you can't find it. Randolph! Wilson, what are you saying? It's Randolph. He's not dead. Oh, but I am, Harry. But don't let that disturb you. I want to thank you for bringing the judge here to me. Wilson, where are you? You're trying to play a trick on me? No, no, I swear. He's quite innocent, Judge Dexter. As for Nora, she merely came to make sure I was where I'm supposed to be. Just as you did. When I spoke to her, she fainted. Wilson, get the door open. We've got to have some light in here. It's no use, Dexter. I can see in the dark like a cat, and you can't. No. I have you now. No, Judge. Get out of here. You're going to die, Dexter. Executed. And as you ordered me, executed. Randolph, let me go. I warn you, Randolph. I've, I've got a gun. I'm going to shoot. You're too late. You're... you're uh... Are you all right? Yes. Yes, I am. Now see if you can find the flashlight. I think I've taken care of Mr. Randolph. If it was Randolph... I think I have it. Yes, here it is. Judge, Randolph's body, it's, it's still in the coffin. I rather thought it would be. Harry? Harry, is that you? Oh, no. You're not hurt? No, just my head. I I came here to see your father. We understand, Mrs. Wilson. And then someone hit you. Yes, from yes. behind. There was someone here in the vault. I just got a glimpse of him, and then, and then he hit me. But who was it? That's what we're just about to find out. Now, let me have the flashlight, Wilson. Yes, of course. I think he fell over here. Now, yes, here he is. But who is he? He was impersonating father, but but who is he? I hear he's lying on his face. I'd better turn him over. Carefully now. He's still breathing. That's it. Oh, it's Miller, the guard from the penitentiary. The one Randolph said he made a friend of. Yes, the one who was guarding him just before he was executed. Oh, that's it. It was Miller. Miller. Can you hear me? I'm afraid he's dying. Before Father was executed, he must have hypnotized this man and ordered him to carry out his fantastic scheme of vengeance. Oh, it was a trick, but it was a very cunning trick. By means of hypnosis, Randolph used this man as a tool, even though Randolph himself was dead. He must have recognized that Miller was unusually susceptible. I think we'll find that Miller was a psychotic to begin with. Otherwise, Randolph's hypnosis would never have worked. 
For no normal person can be influenced the way Miller was under any circumstances. Isn't there anything we can do for him? No. No, he's gone. And with him, the great Randolph has died, too. For good. Mysterious traveler again. So the great Randolph is dead for good, is he? I wonder. After all, Miller wasn't the only god Randolph had a chance to talk to. Oh, but he, he couldn't have hypnotized any of the others. I wouldn't give it another thought if I were you. Unless, of course, you were on the jury that convicted Randolph. In that case... Oh, you have to get off here. I'm sorry. But I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train every week at the same time. You have just heard The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and terrifying. The role of the mysterious travelers played by Maurice Tarplin. In tonight's cast were Santos Ortega, Richard Coogan, Shirley Blank, and Bill Smith. Original music composed and played by Al Finelli. All characters in this story were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual persons was purely coincidental. This is Bob Emmerich speaking. This program came from New York. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. That was No Grave Can Hold Me from The Mysterious Traveler here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And it's Monster Month, and we're doing classic monsters, and Tim had a choice of what he wanted us to do, and Tim chose, oh, that classic monster, The Revenant. And then even had to explain to us what that was in the beginning. But you also said you would defend your decision. Defend away, sir. Well, first of all, how I got to this decision was um, I was fishing around for a vampire episode and saw No Grave Can Hold Me. I thought, surely this must be a vampire story. Sure. And I listened to it, and I liked it for reasons I'll go into, uh, but recognized like this is not even a fake vampire story. <laughs> but it is a fake revenant story. And I thought, that's good enough. I can sell that. And then I realized, like, no, I don't even need to be sheepish about it. There's a iconic horror movie Revenant that everyone knows. Looking around, do you know who the iconic horror movie Revenant everyone knows is? Well, other than the bear. <laughs> other than the bear. <laughs> uh, Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th. Oh, sure. Right, right. No grave can hold him either. Yeah, exactly. I, I'll give it to you. And the reason I'll give it to you is because, A, I really don't care. <laughs> I don't care if we're off the beaten path here. But also, uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the whole thing. And I also enjoy that it's not really Monster Month anymore as much as it is Hypnosis Month. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> so much hyp- hyp- no, hypnosis, hypnotic, hyp- hyp- hypnotism. That's <laughs> our uh, yes, guest host tonight so is Porky much. Pig. Look at my eyes. <laughs> Brain. <laughs> I listened to this and I was like, Tim, you son of a... Mm, uh, you're uh, persuaded me just maybe a little bit, but I still think it's a grasp. <laughs> but here's how I work it out. is In my mind, I listen to this and go, oh, Tim's the monster this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the quality of the episode. Like, I will... I will stand by this. Yeah, and I will this say... Is my, this is my well-made cheeseburger episode. Right, nice. Wow. 
Please don't say cheeseburger. I'm sorry. I've been saying all kinds of Why don't we ever bring here. food to these recordings? What is wrong with us? <laughs> because and, we have in the past, and there may be some listeners out here who can attest to this fact, all I heard was smacking uh, and uh, swallowing when I was editing the episode. So no more food. I will also defend it in the sense that it is Halloween month, you know, whatever our theme is. This is a great Halloween story. You know, this is a classic campfire story. You know, like you sit around and tell those horrifying stories of the escaped convict or whatever. This is, you know, the guy was in prison and he was dead, but yet he's kept coming back to life. And it turns out he had hypnotized the guard. You know, (laughs) it was, it's a great story that way too. You have some notes. (laughs) <laughs> I just want to I want to give you guys time to enjoy this. <laughs> uh I did love also the idea that I said, "Oh, he's doing it. He's killing him." And then they he went, "I'm killing him." I said, "Oh, I was right." And then I was wrong. And then I went, "Oh, she's killing him." <laughs> and I went, "Oh." Then they go, "She's killing him." And I went, "Oh, there it is. I was right." And that wasn't it either. So I was uh, 10 seconds ahead on each revelation of them going, yep, you're right. No, you're wrong. And so I love that. And I kind of at that point went, is he actually dead then coming back from the grave? And when they said the guard, I went, right. In old time radio, you've got to count everybody who's had a line because they're a suspect. (laughs) But I I had the same joy of halfway through, like, Oh, they're already trying to figure it out themselves cleverly. Right. <laughs> and they played fair. Of course it's not him. Of course it's neither uh, of these main characters because that's not how hypnotism works in this world. If you're going to not have him actually coming back from the grave, mm-hmm. which would be fun, you know, there's nothing wrong with a good old fashioned supernatural story with no basis in yeah. uh, explanation. I love it. But if it's not going to be that, then I want to be. Not going, oh, deus ex machina, or I don't want to be rolling my eyes going, well, that's stupid. And I kind of like this. He hypnotized him before he died. And I like that idea. And that works for me. And it also implies what is a truly upsetting character of like, I will let myself be killed for this illusion Mm -hmm. to maintain my legacy. And acting wise, I like the panic and the earnestness of the uh, main character of, oh my God, someone please listen to me. Yeah. So uh, I liked the performance. I liked I liked all of it. I can't wait. I can't even look to my left. <laughs> I can't wait to find out why Joshua hated it. I, I didn't hate it. I don't think I loved it as much as you guys. It's Halloween, man. Lighten up. <laughs> but I, I, I call it the Willow Cheeseburger because I don't like, this is not going to win any great awards for no, amazing. No, but it was, like I said, I liked it because... Oh, this was really fun to listen to in October. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And maybe I think I have heard this exact radio show or this trope in so many radio shows previously. There are about three versions of this exact story in the shadow alone. (laughs) And it's always some variation on there's a twin brother. It's always some Scooby-Doo reveal that's never the actual guy coming back from the dead. And killing people. So, are I, any of them hypnosis? Maybe you've not. You just had too many cheeseburgers. Yes, I was just. <laughs> I just finished my last cheeseburger. I was like, "Oh, great, Tim sent me another cheeseburger." Uh, no, and I think it was another one of those things where I maybe tried to guess why you chose it as I was listening to it, which is one of the dangers of this podcast. So I started to assume some things about the story when I knew that you chose it. So when he goes into all those arcane details of his burial tomb, the bronze doors facing east and the instructions under the pillow, I went, oh, this is gonna be some fun esoteric dark (laughs) magic thing that tim loves so much so i'm gonna start taking notes on all these details because i this is gonna play out somehow i did the same thing "Mm." yeah none of it mattered so i mean i think that's a successful red herring but i think it's the most successful red herring of the script because for me i didn't have as much fun as you guys because i i feel like they gave away the game too early about halfway through like Mm. oh it's gonna be a game of they are gonna 
go through each of the suspects in order of most obvious until it's probably that guard because he pointed out that they had a special friendship. Right. And I probably thought that because of the other, I will come back from the dead and kill this jury stories that I have heard. That was the other thing while I was listening to this of like, oh, they're going to kill every juror one by one. And then the prosecutor and the judge, like, am I going to have to sit here and listen to 14 murders? <laughs> 15 if he kills this guy too? going to cram that into 30 minutes? Just be kill, kill. Another, another month goes by, kill. I would love to hear that. Like 15 murders in four minutes. Here's Bill Abernathy. Ah! Here's, here's Susan Benson. Ah! Finally down to Doug Claudius Zabernaffer. Ah! Why didn't you see this coming? <laughs> it was a little weird that he showed up to the first murder with a gun. And then strangled the guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Brought the gun from work. (laughs) Uh, It's another episode where the things I liked about it were a trap for my enjoyment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because hands down, my favorite part of this was the -the over-the-top Randolph the Great. Mm -hmm. If the entire thing had been him telling people off, (laughs) (laughs) I would have loved it. Um. In the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons book, Fiend Folio. I'm out. <laughs> There's an amazing monster in there that is a version of the Revenant that is this great piece of artwork of it trying to kill people. Its arm's been torn off, but it's still attacking, and it's, it's really cool. See, I knew there was some esoteric in for you yeah. <laughs> uh, involving the story, and I just guessed the wrong one. I just loved when Randolph... Uh, just freely admits that, oh, I killed that guy because he called me a bunch of synonyms for charlatan. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, right. were you upset with the insult or just the, just the first thesaurus usage? You've <laughs> right. <laughs> he called me a mountebank, a charlatan, a trickster. <laughs> so I killed him, murdered him, extinguished his life. <laughs> oh, the, my other thought about these murders, though, was like, how strong is this guy? Because he chooses to strangle everybody. You know, other grown men, like, as soon as he gets his hand around someone's throat, they just surrender. (laughs) Do you know who I picture? I'm going to forget the name of the movie. It's a Boris Karloff movie. Oh, it's uh, when he plays Gruesome in the Dick Tracy movie. You ever seen it? No. But he's, you know, he's gruesome, of course. But that's how I pictured this guy looking. He's uh, large in size, huge hands, and... There's that actor from the Dick, the Warren Beatty one that is yeah that's the very very large guy yeah I'm not talking about that I'm talking about the 1942 but I, I think they're playing the same vibe yeah but uh, Karloff's gruesome is the only reason to watch that Dick Tracy movie from <laughs> from then but that's who entered my head and once that picture is in my head it was really easy for me to picture him grabbing tinier people and strangling them. I did have a little uh, nostalgic fun uh, thinking of the Sunday supplement uh, when he's talking to the uh, right journalist, the, right? the editor of the paper that yeah. he wanted to sell it to. Yeah. The Sunday supplement is where they put material that no right. one takes seriously. And I was like, <laughs> like arts coverage. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yep. I also found it interesting that he found him to be selling them a story to get publicity for uh, whatever it was he owned. I can't remember his, sh- his shop or whatever. Like, oh, you own that shop, so you're just trying to get free publicity. We don't do that here. Um, and I found that interesting because it depends on which newspaper in this country you go to. You can go to a newspaper and sell them a story and it's all advertising, mm-hmm. and they will go, yeah, you know what? It fills our pages, and I don't care if you're getting paid. And all. And then there are papers in the country say, absolutely not. If you're getting money for this, will we carry that? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, that line is very fine for different papers, and the travel industry is the key culprit of that. So all those travel articles you see, some will accept some that are sponsored. Like, we're just trying to push this. And they're like, it's fine. We don't care. It's still a good story. It fills our Sunday supplement. 
Uh, and some will absolutely like, not. Well, you could review a play. No. <laughs> <laughs> that just reminded me of that, that is it immoral to take a story that's really just filling your pages if it's going to create revenue for somebody? I think his complaint, though, was that you're looking for free publicity. Right. (laughs) He didn't say, I I have some moral problem. His moral problem was that you aren't paying for this publicity. Right. But I'm just saying there are newspapers that will take it, not get paid for it. That just fills space and they don't have to pay a reporter to... Anyway, I just brought that up in my head like, oh, right. Depends on the paper you go to. I did think it was, you know, this is Mysterious Traveler. This is back to your cheeseburger thing. Mm. But everyone is just so nonplussed the characters are just um functions of the plot the nonplussed reactions though is what led me down the red herring hole i just said red herring hole (laughs) but it led me down that path because her reaction yeah that was so nonplussed made me go well she's a terrible actor why that's not how you'd (gasps) react oh she's yeah guilty like that she's like, okay, you've made your you've made your argument. I I believe you. Sure, fine. And that's as much. That's as much. Yeah, and I I'll step back a little and say that that again might have been intentional to add to the red herring, as, the, just as Eric thought, because you also have in the other direction the son-in-law who seems really up distressed by everything, even though he set it all in motion. If it bothers him so much and he actually believes it might be true, why did he put the names and addresses <laughs> in the tomb with the guy? But that's what I mean. They, they just, just have a the, wake up and like, well, I, I don't know where I'm going now. <laughs> <laughs> right. I forgot who I'm mad at. <laughs> right. Then but he I, just I, starts, you know, killing bullies from high school, <laughs> just taking guesses. Though the, there's a part of it that entertains me about that of, that part of the story is this hypnotist magician is like, I'm going to prove, I'm going to shock the world with this. And people are like, yeah. <laughs> right. Another bad review. There was a nice twist toward the end where the son-in-law, I'm forgetting his name, went from being afraid that it was the great Randolph to hoping it's the great Randolph <laughs> because that would clear his wife. Yeah. Right. yeah. So uh that that was fun. But yeah, partly <laughs> but partly I don't believe when, you. It's partly when these twists come and you can look at the time and go, well, that's not the end yeah. because there's <laughs> six minutes left. And the mysterious traveler doesn't talk for six minutes at the end of this episode. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I I wasn't uh, that will happen to me from time to time where I'll see the time and go, oh. Uh, I very frequently am not watching the time, but you're absolutely right. If you're watching the time frame of one of these, it can be a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I've gotten a solution too quick. Truthfully, I was, by that point, my first listen, I was like, it's a revenant. It's a revenant. Oh my God, it's a revenant. This is awesome. <laughs> um, that when he hit the point of, I think it's me, I hadn't even considered it at that point. Like, oh, oh, we're doing this game. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. So I was a little behind. And that is the double edged sword of these type of twist stories there's a fine line you have to set it up so the listener guesses exactly when you want them to because a little too early a little too late Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work they needed slightly more intricate clockwork Mm -hmm. for this plot to be compelling well the the conflict between is it me being hypnotized or is it a real monster that's an interesting conflict to maintain for quite some time Mm -hmm. that they kind of rolled past it pretty quick yeah i think that's it as they tear through each idea you then know the structure is oh they're gonna tear through every idea well should we vote sure uh i will go first i my initial reaction is still my reaction i had a really good time with Mm -hmm. this episode uh certainly not a classic um but i think it holds up really fun uh and particularly for halloween really fun word for word that's what i'm gonna say we are two for two on Monster Month, as nice. far as I'm concerned. Those both back-to-back, the shadow last week and this this week, this is made for really fun Halloween so far. Whatever's coming up next better not screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like just a sourpuss here. Do it. Um, it makes me feel good when I do it. Uh, yeah. You know right? What? 
You're right. I don't know why I feel bad. I've brought some really good episodes into my life. <laughs> eh, me. Uh, the Enormous Radio by John Cheever. Eh. <laughs> Give me more cheeseburgers. Towering achievement of literature. <laughs> uh, I'm mad that you made me remember it just now. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't suck. It was cozy and fun. It just yep. it might have been just the mood I was in when I listened to it and the predictability for some reason just really annoyed me. Um, you know, like I said, these kind of plots are a house of cards and if you're not careful it turns into a game of 52 card pickup. And <laughs> for me, <laughs> it was a game of 52 card pickup. Nothing new here. Yeah. But yeah. did a trope well well. Well done, trope. <laughs> Tim, tell him stuff. I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> Me Please too. go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. We live there. Uh, you can listen to other episodes, comment, vote in polls. Let us know what you think about these episodes. Do you like this cheeseburger? You can link to social media pages, our social media pages specifically. You can link to our Threadless store, get some swag, t-shirt, tote bag, stuff like that. And you can go to our Patreon page. Yes, go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. Uh, we have all sorts of great extra podcasts on patreon.com slash the morals. For example, um, running parallel to the regular podcast Monsters of the Air series, we are doing Frankenstein, the 1938 serial, as part of our Patreon's only podcast, Cliffhangers of doom uh we are thinking about releasing the first episode for free so you can get a taste of what that cliffhanger of doom series old time radio like. crack yes mm, this frankenstein tastes good <laughs> <laughs> we might do it we might not uh, we're terrible like that uh, so uh if you want more Frankenstein. Go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. The Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, in addition to this podcast, is also a theater company that uh, performs live audio drama on stage. We do classic recreations of uh, recreations of classic old time radio. Get those words in the right order, and a lot of our own original work. We perform monthly and have been for a very long time. Uh, very few months in our existence that you can't find us performing somewhere so if you want to know where we're performing this month and sometimes it's more than once sometimes even two three times a month just go to ghoulishdelights.com see where we're performing this month what we're performing and how to get tickets if you can't make it because you're not in that particular area uh you can become a patreon because we film them and we post them for our Patreons only. So that's another perk to becoming a Patreon. You get to see our live theater performances of audio drama. All right, what's coming up next? Next is my choice, and the monster is Mr. Hyde. That's right, we are listening to The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from NBC Presents Short Story. Better not suck. Until then... Look out! Is the full moon shining tonight? Yes. It's a full moon tonight. Good. And each time hereafter that it shines, one of my enemies will join me in death. Yeah.